Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Sec Tools podcast by Infosec Campus. So, um yeah, let's get started. Um so the idea of this podcast is majorly to um fill up the gap between people who um you know, sometimes uh, I think myself that when I started in Infosec um the resources were like very very less um to learn um to approach people um and things like that or maybe to find a project uh, that is relevant to security now we are living in now uh, the the availability of resources are like way too easy uh, anyone who can actually have a, a self motivated uh, attitude can actually pick up any subjects and then master in that uh, just by looking at the online content people like you actually encourage people uh, the other you know um, students or or any other infosec enthusiast uh, to to pick up any contents online and then then uh, learn from that uh, and that's great um so uh, the the podcast main idea is to actually you know connect with people uh, know how they are actually building a career like that or know how um you know we, when we see a tool or when we see a project and it's like hey these people are actually doing great but uh, fundamentally they are doing uh, what probably everyone could be able to do right yeah. uh, it's just a matter of time and to to take a motivated mentality to to uh, you know um do something that is more creative and uh, useful for other people and and after all it's all it's all about community we all learn from that yeah and it's a time to actually give back it's it's true Uh, I'm I'm more interested to hear from you. A lot of people uh, know your work, uh, follow your work. Uh um so I would like to actually hear from you how did you started uh in your career or from academic to infosec and now where are you? Yep. Um I I was a software developer for a really long time mm-hmm. and I loved coding. I loved it. <laughs> I just sit at my desk and code all day and be so happy to like never move and just sit there all day and be like yeah. Um and then they started trying to push me into management, which uh-huh. is a thing I guess that um I don't know if this is like a woman thing. I've heard a lot of women who are in tech say this. Um and they just like try to like make us be managers. Like, oh, you have such good soft skills. I'm like, that's nice. I like to save those for the people in my life and use my patience and love for them. Well, uh, when was this, by the way? I would like to know the years. Like uh, 2012 to 2014, they're like really pushing me into management, and I thought like, oh, I'll try it, and I hated it. I I tried being a manager in like 2011 again in 20. 13 uh and then I tried it again briefly in 26 2015 and I was just like I hate it. <laughs> um when I do technical stuff then I'm just happier all day. I just am. Anyway, I feel like it requires a lot of patience to be a manager and I really respect people that are managers cuz I think it's a really hard job and I don't want that job. <laughs> um And so I felt like I was doing like more project management leader stuff for a while and I was getting I didn't like it and I I felt maybe I needed a change and I met a hacker and he he said, "Come a hacker man, you'll be so good. You're not like an average, you know, programmer, like you're going to be great at it." And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't think there's anything better than coding. I just don't." <laughs> 
And for like a year and a half, he just kept telling me like, it's gonna be so good, you should do it, it'll be awesome. And so he convinced me to try it. And then I liked it. <laughs> and then I discovered AppSec, which I like even better. I feel like um, kind of breaking things is cool, but I really love the idea of teaching developers about security and like, you know, all these these tools like, okay, I'm going to put this in your pipeline and then it's going to give you answers. I'm going to teach you what those answers mean. And then like, we're not going to have these problems anymore. And I found like that part more appealing. Um, and uh, so I, I just moved on to that. And then I started doing public speaking because my new mentor made me. <laughs> He used to run B-Sides Ottawa and he met me and then he announced Tanya speaking at B-Sides next year and I was like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> and he announced it on the internet. I'm like, haha, he's like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so I did it and it was really scary. <laughs> and my demo failed. Speaker later made fun of me. <laughs> but he apologized after and said it was a joke and he just, it, the joke didn't go well, but it felt pretty mean. Um, but, but I just kept speaking anyway. I spoke at OWASP and I spoke at like every single meetup. And I was like, this is super fun. Um, I used to be a musician for a really long time. So I like being on stage, but I didn't think I would like public speaking because I couldn't hide like behind my guitar or a drum set. I'm like, don't see me. <laughs> But it turns out I like it a lot. Yeah, and so then I slowly kind of tumbled into my current role as an advocate. So I get to do all the nerdy stuff I want, and then I just get to share it with the community, which makes me feel really good. Yeah, but you, you uh, so a lot of people actually um, tell that, you know, learning AppSec, you would definitely need and coding skills, uh, which uh, to a certain extent, it makes sense. But how easy or difficult was uh, for you to have a transition from uh, dev to learning security? What was your experience? I found it really hard. Um, I had a mentor and he's like super brilliant, like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant person. Um, and everything came very naturally to him. He was a mathematician. And so then for him, it was very easy. So when he would teach me, like if I was slow, it was like maybe frustrating. Um, I'm dyslexic for real, not one of those people that says they are, I really am. So reading a textbook is like so hard, so hard. And he just kept giving me these textbooks, like the Shell Coders Handbook. Have you read that? <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> and um, so, uh, so it was much better than eventually, like we started going to data centers together and stuff. And he'd just be like, okay, I'm gonna like, you know, run this tool and you're gonna watch and the next time you're driving. And that was so much easier for me. So I'd see him do stuff. He's like, I'm doing this. I'm like, why? He's like, cause of this. I'm like, great. Okay, I get it. I understand strategy, let's do this. And then the next time he's like, you're driving, you go, I'm standing. And then he would mostly just watch and then be like, have you looked over there? I'm like, oh, it was really cool. Um, cause we basically, he landed a job and he was, 
He believed in me so much that he told them he wasn't coming unless they hired me too. Mm-hmm. Wow. That like wow. for me that was such a gift. Like he like and he's famous in our city and well known. Um and uh that was really amazing. And then then like I'm lucky uh I joined OWASP and there he's so awesome Sharif Kusa and he guided me on like tons of things. Um and then part being part of OWASP I met this woman named Nicole Becker and her and I started DevSlop together. And she she breaks my brain with all the technical things. Like she's so amazing. She's like, "Oh, we're just going to do this." And I'm just like <laughs> so it's it's funny like we we taught a course in California last winter and um so there was like part that was her content part that was mine and we would go back and forth and during one of my parts she's like okay you know my part now I'm like no no then we have to do this and she's like damn I didn't know Zap could do all those things she's like you taught me something I'm like <laughs> I was so happy that I was like oh my gosh I know a thing I helped <laughs> Um but I guess yeah. I guess the key is I found it really really difficult and you have to not give up and I found making friends really helped mm. and volunteering to work on different things with different people really helped like you know starting an open source project with Nicole I was like well if it's with her it's not scary do you know what I mean because like I'm like <laughs> yeah. oh if I don't know the answer she always seems to know it and then yeah and then eventually you're the one that knows the answers <laughs> yeah pretty much the community uh, at least the infosec communities um have a lot of um you know um, sharing mentality right um even if you are in the middle of a stupid 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 problem which you could actually see it in your eyes but you don't realize it but there are people actually you know guide you if you're um, new to that um mm-hmm. and they are not very hesitant on it and they really really understand that Hey we all learn from all these online blog posts and videos and tutorials and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there is uh, once they once they learn that things and then there there is a new new set of generations comes into infosec they are very happy to actually share their knowledge. Um I think that's a good good thing. I'm hoping I totally agree with you. The especially the OWASP community has shared so much and helped me and I feel like propelled me forward so many times like if I'm like uh maybe I should give up they're just like never give up <laughs> but I do hope someday that the education system catches up like I know academia will always be a little bit behind but they're not a yeah. little bit behind right now yeah, like, that's true that's true I think that's that's I initially thought it's just in my city I mean everywhere else is awesome but <laughs> it seems like pretty much all, entire part of the world are facing the same problems in especially on infosec education it's is far far behind um i mean er, yeah <laughs> been non existent like the college a long time ago i'm in my 40s um yeah. so i went to college a long time ago um in the 90s and uh there was no security class then but what students tell me about security now i'm like really that's all you get like they get they get almost nothing and yeah could you imagine if someone so i've always considered computer science a trade like being an electrician or a plumber like we build things and we fix things that's what we do right um but we're the trade where you don't get dirty basically um 
And <clears throat> but could you imagine in one of the other trades, them not teaching them safety and security, right? Could you imagine yeah. them like? Could you imagine an engineer not learning about um, you know how to make sure the bridge is safe? Like that's why you know the story of that's why they wear the ring, right? Right. right. They wear the ring just for for listeners. They wear the ring because a bridge fell and people died, and they made the ring uh, originally out of the bridge. But they've left, you know, they've run out. But the ring is supposed to symbolize that, like you are responsible for their safety, right? And you always have to follow the principles and go the extra mile to make sure everything is safe. And it's supposed to re remind them, not just say, "I'm awesome. I'm an engineer." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree to that. Uh, I mean, even when I speak to devs who have like made amazing tools, they say like, hey, I mean, we are not really a good devs, we're still learning. Um, and the same goes to Infosec as well. Uh, makes a lot of sense once you know the security aspects and then go back to dev, dev side, uh, it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I really wish that um that they were being taught this in school. Like I realized then I might not have a job, but I feel confident I could still find a place somewhere. <laughs> yeah, a lot of universities I know have started picking up InfoSec uh, subjects, um, not just uh, academically, but they are actually calling uh, guest lecturers who are actually working in the industry as professionals. And then they these guys come up as a guest lecturers and teach them how to do an AppSec testing or infrared testing in, in practical and mobile security and things like that and they do a lot of OWASP project also a lot of a lot of OWASP project community works uh, contributions also come from these students as well yeah. so it's getting I think yeah I think we'll hope for the better world <laughs> um, OWASP is participating in the Google Summer of Code we did last yeah. year and I think uh, we are this year and so I'm hoping like eventually we can have more and more students, right? That we bring oh, okay. in, That's interesting. into the OWASP um, ecosystem, let's say, and uh, teach them from the very beginning. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know about this. Uh, I know that Zap actually goes through uh, some of the uh, summer code uh, uh, programs, uh, Zap proxies. I'm not sure if it is actually um, uh, supported by uh, Mozilla or um, I didn't know any other projects in, in OWASP is participating in Summer Code. Oh, that's interesting. I think um, we, so we got an offer uh, or a request from, so OWASP has a board of directors and they asked all the projects if we wanted to participate and Nicole and I felt we weren't ready yet to bring a student in. Um, and now we have Francisca um, and the three of us like we bring in so many guests all the time. Like each week we bring in a guest and then I'm adding to this giant DevSecOps pipeline. I'm just like, I don't know if we're ready for a student. Let's uh, talk about DevSlob. How did that idea came up with? We all know about, you know, this, this word has been in the industry for a while and it's like, what actually happens inside? And you just showed it like, hey guys, this is it. Um, how did that start it? <laughs> Um, so I met Nicole on the internet because she had written a vulnerable app and I would use it in demos and I was making a course uh, for this company called Tuts Plus and then her app went down and I was like, 
as I'm as I'm filming like that day, I'm like, oh no. So I wrote all of OWASP and then she answered the most famous answer of every software developer ever. Try now. <laughs> and then it worked. And I was like, thank you. And then I went to AppSec Europe the next month and she was there and we met. And she's like, I didn't even know anyone used those. I'm like, I use your Cyclone Web Transfer app to teach developers all the time how to use Zap. I use it all the time. I love it. And she was like, oh, I love writing really shitty apps. <laughs> Where it just adds vulnerabilities in. She's like, it's so awful. So um, she was writing this little app called Pixie. And she's like, do you want to work on it with me? And I was like, cool. And then we started this project called DevSlop because her and I wanted to learn about how to add security to DevOps. So it has vulnerable APIs. And then we talk nasty to her APIs and we're trying to look at like new ways of doing security. So she mostly made that. And then we did all these workshops and then I started making a pipeline where I wanted to add every single security tool ever. <laughs> and um, I figured out very quickly that you can't really share uh, an Azure DevOps pipeline. Mm -hmm. Like you can't really open source the pipeline. I could open source the code um, and I could export it as JSON, but no one could like take my pipeline and mm -hmm. implement it, which um, was really disappointing. So instead I was like, what if I make videos of how I implement each tool yeah. and how I do each thing so that people can learn how to use these tools and they can see us implementing it and like fumbling through, but still like successfully doing it. Um, so we started doing that instead. And then Francisca made some pipelines too, which are in Circle CI. So she shared them. And one of them has um, mod security in it. And it's so that you can test how your app works with a WAF in front of it. So it's mod security with the core rule set three from OWASP, which is the project she works on. Um, and so you can tune your WAF in the pipeline before it gets to prod, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. And then she made another pipeline with the same thing, but with Zap shooting at it. So you can make sure your WAF is properly defending you, but not breaking any business rules. It's so cool. And so we're going to do, um, yeah. so we call each one of these things a module. And then we're going to explore the modules on the show so people know how to use them if they want to. And um, it turns out like the show is being a big part of the project. And it's me being a nerd uh, every Sunday at 1 p.m. Canada Eastern Standard Time. Um, and usually Nicole or Francisca joins me. And then I have a guest and then we do a DevSecOps or OWASP thing. So I'm having a lot of OWASP project leaders on because I've been curious how a lot of their things work mm -hmm. and I want all of them to be a part of my project. Yeah. So I'm making them come on and like help me implement them, which is so cool. How did you um, submit this to OWASP projects and how, how, how that um, workflow happened? So first we had to figure out um, if we wanted to just join a project that already existed mm -hmm. or if we wanted to do our own project. So if there's a project that's already similar to what you're doing, you should just join that project, yeah. right? Like a lot of people want to contribute and there's so many projects that want help. Right. So they advise you to do that. But our thing was so weird and no one else is doing quite what we're doing. So they said, make your own project. And we're like, Yay! so you just yeah. go to the OWASP website and look for projects and click the start new project button. Uh huh. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then you wait 
because a lot of our staff quit over the past year. Um, they moved on to bigger and better things. And so we used to have nine and now we have like four or five staff. And so there's a lot of waiting. Yeah. Um, so we did that. <laughs> and then eventually we got a like page. Um, and then I made us like a silly little website, which is down right now because I broke it. Yeah, I saw, I saw the last video. <laughs> but really, well, you experiment <laughs> with things, you break them sometimes. Yeah, but that's the purpose of it, right? I mean, because um, to, to actually do it, so um, to be honest, I when when the DevSecOps term started in the industries, I was thinking that, hey, how, how these things actually works because I'm more of an AppSec guy uh, or rather an infra testing or, or, or a pen test guy. So, um, I didn't know how the, the DevOps uh, in general actually works and how security fits into it, into an automation things and uh, how the CI, CD pipelines and everything, all, all these things was actually jargon to me. And and I want, I mean, I was assuming that, hey, um, maybe I could actually pick up any uh, dev, dev friends uh, in my circle and then ask them how these guys are actually doing and they will explain very well. But you don't see these things in real. I mean, you don't see this, like how these things in action and yeah. it was kind of a black box to me. You just kind of open it super transparent to the public. Uh, that's the, I mean, that's what something that I liked about your, your devs love channel in Twitch. Uh, it seems interesting. So yeah, I'll keep uh, watching it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I did this talk for DevOps days <clears throat> about how to weave security through DevOps. And as I was learning more and more about it, I got more excited about it. And then I was like, well, I don't want to just have a talk where I say the ideas. Like, I'm like, oh, and then you could add negative unit tests because, you know, if you're going to have tons of unit tests, why not make negative unit tests like to make sure that your application can fail gracefully. But then I thought about it and I was like, well, saying it is nice, but what if I show everyone how? Yeah. Um, so we had one episode on that and we're going to have a second episode once I add some functionality. So I added this functionality to my app and then I like broke it because I upgrade my framework. Anyway, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to do a second episode where we have like more negative unit tests uh -huh. because telling people in a talk, okay, so here's like 21 ideas, but then they don't know how to do them. I'm like, oh, it seems like I'm only, well, that, I'm like yeah, that fire. I mean, uh, that, that's actually a good choice, by the way, because um, if you would have actually gone to that um, path, maybe it would, it would end up being another redundant slide, right? Uh, this is now being a quite unique one uh, because nobody else is actually doing it. Um, so that's the beauty of the project. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we, basically, we started the project so that we could learn all these things. Yeah. Right? Like. Um, you know, I'm good at like scanning apps and like punching them in the face, but can I get, you know, my pipeline to do all the boring stuff for me? Yeah. Right. And like, what else can I make my pipeline do? Like, um, I have it scanning, uh, my GitHub with Snike for if there's known vulnerabilities. And of course, Pixie, our, our intentionally vulnerable app has like all these vulnerabilities and we're like, yes. But yeah. it's scanning the other ones to make sure we don't, right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to like add so many different things and show people. Like Snake took minutes to set up. It was super easy. Mm -hmm. um, and then I don't know if you saw last week's, but we were trying to set up dependency check and uh -huh. it didn't work out. 
So we're going to try again. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So the the idea for the uh, the what's your future idea for uh, DevSlob? I I know that you keep adding. I mean, your idea is to actually keep adding more and more security tools and uh, bring it a complete uh, like literally complete DevSecOps uh, with the whole CI/CD pipelines. Uh, what other tools in your mind that you will actually uh, uh, implement if you would like to break the suspense? <laughs> I definitely want Zap. I definitely want to continue to fight to have dependency check. I want to have OWASP glue. Um, I think that um, I want to add a lot of negative unit tests based on, you know how there's this, the cheat sheet series? Uh -huh. So there's like the SQL uh, injection, or no, there's the cross-site scripting evasion cheat sheet. Yeah, yeah. I want to add like a bunch of those oh, okay. to attack um, I also want to see if I can get um, commercial tools in there as well because people want to know how to use them. I yeah. find uh, so I know I work for a vendor. I work for Microsoft, so I'm super biased. But before I worked for Microsoft, I, I felt the same way. Um, I I find conferences are really weird. Like they're like you can't give a sales pitch. I'm like, yeah, I don't want a sales pitch. I I don't enjoy the way salespeople like talk at me but I really want to know how to use these tools and see how they work so I can see if I want to buy it or not because sometimes you have to buy tools, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to just have one tool. There's no one tool that's going to do everything. You need a whole bunch of tools. And so I've always kind of wanted to go to like a conference where it's just workshops where I just get to play with each tool. Uh -huh. um, so a bunch of places like, um, I think, um, Veracode and uh, Checkmarks have said they'll give me a free license for my project huh. so that and, and and Snipe was like really like helpful to they said you know they'll help me set it up I'm like dude I got this <laughs> I don't I don't no offense but I don't want a vendor to be part of my project I just want to do it myself yeah right and if it's really hard to implement i want the audience to know it's really hard yeah yeah right if it takes me six episodes to implement it the audience should know like that's how hard it is or if i get a lot of false positives i'm going to show that even if it's from microsoft i'm going to show that because um i i want the audience to know for real how things work so their expectations are accurate yeah and so I'm going to try to get um, like not just rare code and check marks, but I'm going to like, I feel like the more products uh, or like companies have said yes, the more other companies will say yes. Yeah. And then because I want to know how these things work, right? Like when, because if you have a salesperson come in and show you their product, they'll be like, here, it works perfectly every time. It, it will make your dreams come true. Look, there's rainbows and there's unicorns. Um, and that's nice, but I want to know, like, is this going to work in my pipeline? Is it 12 hours instead of eight minutes? Yeah. Is this like, am I going to spend 10 weeks tuning it and still have a ton of false positives? Yeah. Right. Like that's what I want to know when I make a buying decision and they're not going to tell me the truth. Right. And so if we play with it on the show, we can show people like, oh, damn it. Found a bunch of stuff wrong. Crap. Uh, I need to do better coding or, or whatever it is we're going to find. And um, I hope so. I'm hoping to just like explore like all the tools that I could never afford. 
<laughs> it would be interesting if that happens to see at least the um, kind of comparisons because I mean, I know every tool will have their own positive and negatives, but um, for some people's positives, uh, they wouldn't. Uh, I mean, they would actually look for that, and some of the negatives for some cases in some 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 of the uh, projects they don't care about it. So the, even if those negatives show up, I mean, they they wouldn't care about it. Um, so it, I think it's it would be nice to see those approach. Yeah, I. Basically, like, I'm curious about all the tools and people always ask me, like, which one's your favorite this? And it's like, <laughs> well, if I've only tried two out of the six that are on hand, I don't know if that's like a super accurate saying, like, well, I tried these two and I like this one better than that one. Yeah, yeah. It depends on them. Uh, what What's their achievement, what their vision of buying a tool? Yes, so much. Oh, my gosh. I, I talked to some people that had bought Fortify and I guess they're managers. Uh, so Fortify is like a, the static code analysis tool yep. from them. And I used it and it found a ton of stuff wrong. It also found a lot of stuff when we investigated was not wrong. <laughs> and um, all static code analysis tools work like this. All of them find fault. What they're doing is giving you hints, uh -huh. right? Like instead of reviewing 200,000 lines of code, we think we've found 200 things. Go check out those 200 things. It's saving you a lot of time. It's finding things you might not have found. It's cool, but it's intense. And so their managers had bought it and it bought licenses for like, I don't know, like a thousand devs or something. So that was like a lot of money. And then they pressed the button and gave them like a 10,000 or 20,000 page report. It was like completely insane. And then they're like, why aren't the bugs fixed? It's <laughs> like, no, it's not a magic button where you like go choo choo and then everything's fixed. Like it's, that's not how it works, right? And they didn't hire a security consultant or anyone that like knew AppSec to understand the results. And then, so then they said that they ran it once a week and then checked the box. Oh. And then we're like, there, we do static code analysis. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, security tools suck. I'm like, no, no, I, I, I've used it. And I found so much important things that it, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping that like on the show, we can dispel some myths. Yeah. Right. So if a developer uses a tool, they know what they're in for. Correct. I think uh, pretty much all static um, scanners or static analyzers will have false positives, but you probably would need to take a lot more time to fine tune to the application that you're working on. Um, and once that's done, it makes a lot of sense with the scan results. But when, when, then, then, it, then it comes to the feature comparisons and some, some of them will, will yeah. allow to enter manual findings and some of them will not enter. Uh, will not allow to enter manual findings because they, don't, they may not have that option at all. Um, so those things uh, make sense to see the comparison. So that's what I mentioned before. It, it really, really depends on the buyer's uh, vision of how, what they want to do with the tool. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely not uh, going to be easy, like pressing a button. I, I also like also now that we're switching, you know, like from waterfall to DevOps or from agile, like we're, we're doing a DevOps type of, of way of doing things. And we have these awesome pipelines. Um, I want to look at like plugging it in and what is the best way? Cause you can't do a full, if you have a 20,000 lines of code, you can't just do the whole scan every time you release or all your developers will beat you up. So instead like, 
you know, if we could just do, you know, a quick scan and just look for cross-site scripting, for instance, because that's how much, right? Um, so like talk about like different approaches of what the best way is to do these things. I'm hoping to have um, Matt Conda and Matt um, Taroso from OWASP on because they run the, oh, it's Aaron Weaver um, to run the, you know, they have the OWASP AppSec pipeline project. I want to have them on when my pipeline looks more impressive and be like, come on guys, help me make it better. <laughs> yeah, just to know about the, the average time that you've taken to build the complete uh, project um, so far and how, how, when did you start DevSlop? Um, so we started DevSlop uh, over a year ago, uh -huh. um, but that was when we were doing Pixie. And then I started working on the pipeline maybe five months ago. Oh, okay. And then I started learning about like how they do DevOps, like what their pipeline's capable of. And then slowly, just like a bit at a time, I've been adding things to it. And um, I'm, sp I'm speaking in Orlando at Visual Studio Live, December like 4th, I think. and. I have promised this pipeline for then. So I've been like slowly adding things to it and I'm just like, I'm so behind. <laughs> because it's one of those things I kind of have on the side of my desk. Like it's an extracurricular activity, right? I'm like, oh, I really gotta get on that. So the show's helping propel me forward. The show, the show's, only, um, I think it's eight weeks old. The show is really young. Yeah, it's eight, just eight weeks and you're actually pretty much doing it on your weekends, right? Uh, either Saturday yeah, or Sunday, something like that. Sunday. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I saw the the um, shows are what, uh, two, what, less than two hours long? Maybe one hour? Yeah, they're, they're usually supposed to be an hour. Sometimes they go extra. It kind of depends on what we're doing. Like one week we did a workshop that Nicole and I would do like as an intro to web app hacking um, so that people could come and participate and play with us. Uh, we want to do a bunch of interactive types of things because we like it <laughs> we just we love we like i love running workshops it's so fun um to like have the people get to play with the thing that you're playing with so we're planning to do a bunch of things like that like bjorn uh from um uh juice shop from oh yes yeah. juice shop. Mm. Um, we're going to do an episode where we set it up so everyone can see how easy it is to use. But then we want to do another one where we have an open CTF for everyone uh -huh. on the internet for free. And I'm like, oh, yes, this will be so awesome. And you'll be actually pushing um, Juice Shop online and then people can just go and yeah. bomb. Yeah, when we do the interactive <laughs> one. So the first episode, we're just going to show you how you set it up because uh -huh. we want people to know how to set it up and use it. Yeah. And then we're going to do one where everyone can participate online. Oh, great. That will be a good idea. And if they want to actually host it something locally also, they could do the same uh, steps. Uh, yeah. That, that's nice. I'm looking forward so to they that. Theoretically in their office for their devs. Yeah. Yeah. So they can have a test yeah. environment or a play environment actually. <laughs> Basically, I'm doing all the fun things that my previous bosses wanted to do but couldn't get approvals for uh -huh. like i can run a ctf on the weekend like privately for fun and like um i don't need to have 500 approvals do you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. i, I really got that <laughs> everyone from work to participate <laughs> yeah <laughs>
Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, usually when I work in a dev shop, they're like, no, you can't just run a CTF because you want to. I'm like, but it'll be so fun. And I think they'll like it and they'll learn stuff. And, and they're just like, that sounds like danger. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good lesson also. I mean, if anything is actually broken and you learn from that and that's the... You just don't learn it from the theory. You just see things in action, and then that would be a never forget, forgotten lessons. Actually, <laughs> a lot of managers are afraid that if you teach developers hacking, that they'll just start hacking all the things they're not supposed to. Yeah, they anyways get. Uh, I mean, if they, if their dev, devs doesn't do it, then the actual one will do it. <laughs> but if developers, if developers work for you and you trust them. If you teach them a new skill, you can still trust them, right? Like, yeah. as a developer, you are all powerful. You can do so much bad crap if you wanted to. Like, you could screw over your company very badly if you want to, if you're a top developer. No yeah. problem. Teaching them how to, like, scan a web app is not going to make them suddenly turn evil. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's not... Yeah. <laughs> I think that... I don't see any logic on stopping them learning uh, AppSec. Uh, just because the source code is with them or they, they are the internal people have maximum access to the servers and things like that. Uh, it's better they know things uh, before because then they, they they will be scared to use maybe a root password to configure an Apache servers and things like that. Um, yes, because they will have learned from the mistakes in the CTF. Yeah, yeah. Instead right. of making those mistakes themselves. Exactly. Um, um, maybe I, I just want to ask these questions uh, on behalf of the entire other communities. Um, if, if I don't have an experience in devs, for example, um, and how easy is to pick up DevSecOps as a topic to learn as like practically learning and deploying things? Maybe um, I, I may not have a developing background, um, or but I see some projects online like maybe Juice Shop or something. And how easy uh, for someone with no development background or maybe a less development background to pick up DevSecOps subject to learn? Hmm. Without understanding how code works and without understanding how the system development lifecycle works, I think it would be hard. I think you might need to know those things first. Like, at least understand how software is built, right? Like, and understand you know, if you're going to test web apps, how the web works, like requests and responses and those things. Because if you don't know them, then you don't know, hey, I'm going to grab your response and look at it, or I'm going to grab your request and do stuff to it. You don't know that's a possibility. It's hard. I think that if you just wanted to do basic things, you could. But as you get deeper into stuff, you need to have more knowledge. Like I've, I've worked at, um, a lot of places where, um, I've been brought in as it, like a consultant. So they have someone running like scans with something like a, a tool that works well, usually an expensive tool, but then they don't know how to validate any of the results. Right. So like, I think any person in it can run a scanner and set it up and follow the instructions, but then you get these results and they just don't know what they mean. And when I first started getting the results, um, ha I had a, a mentor who would help sometimes, but a lot of the times I'm just like, I have to Google the crap out of this. I have to like look 
answers. Sometimes I'd have to like play with it back and forth to see, oh, it is broken or, oh, it's not broken. And without a computer science background, I just think it would have been so hard, like without understanding code. Um, I, I do believe you could definitely run, you know, if you have an ops background, you could run ops tools yeah. for sure. Because DevOps is like ops as well, right? Like SecOps. And um, that matters in the pipeline too. <laughs> like we want to make sure that we're only putting out, you know, secure um, containers or images or whatever we're doing. Um, but yeah, I think like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, so I learned to code when I was like 16. It has been a long time, <laughs> over 20 years, way over 20 years. And so for me, like trying to imagine to not understand what it's like to code, I did, it's, it's not, it's like, um, like I'm a woman, I've always been a woman. It's really hard for me to understand a man's point of view on things sometimes, right? Like if I'm like, oh, I, I guess I am being unfair to you. I didn't realize that because like, I don't, because different things matter or affect men than me. Um, it's hard for me to understand sometimes. Like it doesn't come off very often, but when it does, it's like, oh. <laughs> um, so it might be like that. Like I was on an incident once and um, I was like a junior security person that didn't know anything. And I was like, oh, can I just come and sit in the meeting? And they're like, you know, looking at web server logs and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's just obfuscated. Um, that's like, that's like just URL encoded and stuff. Like it's just, it's just obfuscated code. Ooh, it looks like SQL statements. And they're like, what the F? Like, how can you just read that? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just a giant nerd. And I just, it looks like this. I'm like, just give me a minute. And I just like figured, I like manually decoded a line of it. I'm like, oh yeah, those are like SQL injections. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, okay, so she's on the incident team now. I was like, yes. Um, but like, if I didn't know how to code, I would never, I wouldn't understand that it would just look like gobbledygook. I wouldn't know like, oh, that's code. So I think that um, if someone doesn't have a coding background, it will be an uphill battle, but I still think it's a worthy battle. Yeah. You know that people uh, sometimes have um, not really a, okay, they, they must have learned coding in schools and, and universities. Uh, but some of them doesn't have an interest in coding and they just want to play. Hey, I don't want to build something. Let's break something. So they join AppSec and started running scans and doing all the hacking activities or, or pen testing activities on applications. Uh, these guys will be able to like read code and they, they will make sense out of the code. But it's just that they have a hesitation in, inside that they don't want to code. Uh, yeah. <laughs> If you could just read code, that would be great. Yeah. Like you don't necessarily have to know how to make big pieces of software. Yeah. Like if you could just understand, like if, if you can't tell that something looks like an SQL statement from just random characters, mm -hmm. then it's, it would be much harder. Right. But if you can understand like logic bits and stuff. Yeah. And I think that there's a place for people who aren't experts. Right. Like I, whenever I see contracts go out, there was like 10 years ex security experience or more. And I'm like, well, then in my city, like six, six dudes can apply and that's it. No one else can apply because we didn't really have much of an industry here 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. And everyone wants to hire like a senior security person, but that's all you need. Like 
if I have 2,000 devs, I don't need every single person to necessarily know as much as I do. Yeah. Like, I'll be happy to have someone that just runs out and scans the crap out of everything and just uh, does triage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this app is on fire. Go look at this. This app looks, nothing came up. It looks okay. Yeah. Right? Like, someone that can run around and do those things or someone that's like, okay, I can figure these things now. Can you check them? Like, like a team is not just like experts, yeah. right? Like a team is not just senior people, all levels. Right. If you're a good leader, I feel like all the levels can make a huge impact. Yeah, right. Kind of SME uh, as a separate division or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to work somewhere and we hired students. I hired two students and they're like, we don't have time for this crap, Tanya. And I was like, no, students are like an investment. Yeah. Like, but in your time and then you you gain like it grows exponentially and then you gain back and they're like we don't have time for this so the first month you know the students weren't superbly helpful but i just got them to sit in on things with me and then eventually um we used to fish our employees there i i got them to come up with 10 fishing schemes and like i would click on these they're so good yeah (laughs) they're so good i was like they're brilliant Evil geniuses. Yeah, I, I had them doing all sorts of stuff. It was great. Yeah, they, it, was, it was awesome. I would send them off and then they would just go do something and usually it was good. Yeah. Um, so all my menial labor, like I would get them to, um, so we would let people email the security team. Oh, there's, um, you know, I got this email. It's, it's weird. Is it phishing? And so I started getting them to investigate all of them. And it was awesome. They learned a ton and we stopped a lot of interesting things from happening. <laughs> Yeah, are you are you also uh, taking students' work or um, involving students or anybody else outside to uh, engage with uh, Dev Slaw project in any way? I don't know if anything is possible because everything is under the uh, Azure itself, right? I mean, the the entire pipeline is there, and whatever you fiddle with it is inside the Azure dashboard. Um, not sure if anyone if anyone would like to contribute to that. Um. So we've had people offer to contribute, but the more contributors you have, the more management you have to do, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> um, and so, so far, we haven't had uh, that that much time. Like, Franziska joined us uh-huh. since we started, and then um, Vandana Verma is doing some stuff with us. But I don't know if we're going to take students anytime soon, just because mm-hmm. I'm finding it so much work the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And so we're having people on the show and show off the stuff, but it would be cool. Honestly, I would love someone that would just help me edit my videos because I'm so <laughs> behind. And I'm always like, I'm going to do that. And then I'm like, nah, I'm going to write another nerdy blog post. <laughs> I want to look at security enters instead. And then I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow. And then the next day I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like three weeks behind, I think, on the videos. I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> not good. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the videos itself is actually a good idea because, um, I mean, they can actually set up their own Azure uh, uh, platforms and then uh, fiddle around with the experiments that you're doing the same way um, because you're pretty much doing all the... At least as of now, all the other tools that you're using is pretty much open source or free. Uh, so yeah. they could set up a Zap and uh, a dependency checker or whatnot, and they could they could actually play around with that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to use as many open source tools as possible so people can repeat the things. Yeah, 
Definitely. Uh, nice to uh, talk to you, Tanya. Um, <laughs> but before we we wind up, uh, would you like to share some of the comments uh, to the communities? If anyone actually uh, listening to our podcast, uh, especially on people who would like to join open source, uh, start some projects, uh, or get into infosec, um, share a few words. Please join our industry. We need you. <laughs> We really do. Um, if you can find a mentor on the OWASP Slack channel, I've created a mentor channel to try to help people find mentors, but also just join our community. Go to local OWASP meetups, um, meet people. And then that's how I ended up finding all of my mentors through OWASP and um, like become a part of the community and that will help you learn. And we definitely need you and we definitely want you. And I'm working on releasing. So all the stuff I'm doing for my job, they let me release it for free. So I'm you know, continuing to release all my security research on my blog. And then um, I made like a learning module on Microsoft Learn. I'm going to make more. And then like my show. And there's a bunch of people like me that are just trying really hard to teach whatever the things are that you know. <laughs> yep. So that you will join our industry because we really want you here. <laughs> um, I know that it might seem like um, competitive or it might seem like scary or like daunting at first, but if you're smart enough to code, you're certainly smart enough to scan, right? Like it's just, it's a new skill. I believe in you and you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Thank thank you so much uh, Tanya. Uh nice oh. talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great.